So today, just to give you a little preface, this is what we're going to be talking about. We're talking about renewing your mind. And the reason why we're talking about this actually is because for the last couple of months, I have just been going through a series of things that have really been trying my mental state. And I have been realizing that our minds are very, very important. And when you're not in your right mind, you make irrational decisions. Um, You are not able to think clearly, right? And so because of that, I wanted to see how we could um, look at this from a spiritual aspect because it's not just about our mind and being able to um, exchange with one another, but I think it's also about the way we look at um, our spiritual life as well. So when you're talking about renewing your mind, here's my headline. And so I always do these just in case you um, forget everything I say because I know it's like 12 something and some of you are probably going to fall asleep on me in 10 minutes. But um, (laughs) if you fall asleep um, and you don't get anything else from this, here's what I want you to understand is that mind renewal is essential for transformation and gospel-centered living. If you don't take anything else from here, that's what we're going to focus on and helping you to understand that mind renewal is essential for transformation and gospel-centered living. Okay, let's take a look at the text. I'm going to be, most of you guys know this if you are familiar with church. I feel like this is one of the scriptures that many know but may not understand. So we're going to look at it. Um, This is Romans 12, 1 through 2. So most of my scriptures are going to be up here, so you don't have to do a lot of searching. And if you want my PowerPoint afterwards, just come and let me know, and I'll send it to you. So it says this, and Paul is the writer here for the book of Romans, if you don't know. For those in my Sunday school class know that we've studied Romans. Does anybody remember who this book is written to? If you know it, yell it out. The church at Rome. Great. Okay, church at Rome. Written to the church at Rome. These believers in particular um, had been poured into by other people. They were Christians. However, they had never been poured into by Paul, who was writing this book. So we see him giving an account of what the gospel looks like. So that's why when people often talk about the Roman road, it's because, and they use it to display the, show the gospel to people, it's because that's kind of what it's used for. It's, a, it's sort of a tool to, to lead people to Christ. So it says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Some say spiritual act of worship, if you have a different translation. Then it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For the purpose of time and for what we're talking about today, we're actually going to focus on the second part of this, which is verse 2, because in order to be transformed, you actually can't conform to this world. So before you can even talk about being a living sacrifice, how do you even get there if if you're not transformed? Um, so So you can't be transformed if you're conformed to this world. Do you guys have any idea what the word conform means? And what conforming is? Well, here it is. Um, It's behaving according to socially acceptable conventions or standards. It's really just caving into the pressure to fit in, which I think all of us have experienced. I know I have. Wanting to make sure you know the right terminology and that you're cool. I know growing up, have you ever noticed when your parents um, used to try to say the words that, like, you and your friends say? And you're like, 
So, I rem- you know, there's certain words. Like, my dad still says all that in a bag of chips, and I'm not sure who still uses that. But it's funny how they, they try to get with the lingo. Or if you um, aren't very sociable, in order to be social, you might do things out of your comfort zone in order to fit in. We live in a culture where it's all about sitting in, not standing out. And we serve a God who is calling us to be out of darkness. And so that requires us to not conform to the world, but to look differently. But that's a hard task because everyone is telling you that you need to fit in. I love this quote by John Piper, and it says this, We are perfectly useless as Christ-exalting Christians if all we do is conform to the world around us. And the key to not wasting our lives with this kind of success and prosperity, as Paul says, is being transformed. And so as we look at that text again, we're talking about the fact that in order to present our bodies as living sacrifices and in order to discern God's will for our lives and and his will, we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Making sense so far? Amen. Okay. Checking my notes to make sure I'm not going way off the the deep end, right? Okay, keep going. And again, I won't keep you here too long. The goal is to get you out before, you know, one. One more thing. So that word transform. So if we're trying not to conform, which means to try to fit in and look like everybody else, that means we have to be transformed. But again, how do you transform? That doesn't quite fit. So here's just a definition of transform as we continue to start thinking about these things. It's a dramatic change in outward appearance. Interestingly enough, the Greek word for for this word transform, some of you may know the English word, which is metamorphosis. You ever heard of that word, metamorphosis? It's the the idea of of transforming. And, And we look at the outward appearance. The word's also used in the Gospels, the word transform. I'm sure you guys have seen it. It's in the book of Matthew when it's referring to the transfiguration. Do you guys remember that? Of Jesus in Matthew chapter 17. It says, and he was transfigured before them. Do I have that? No, I don't. Okay. It says, he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. So we see that text, how specifically Christ was transformed. And so, I'm sorry, transfiguration. And so what we're seeing here is the limited way that Christ displayed his, his inner divine nature and, and glory at the transfiguration because clearly we couldn't see all of his glory. So it wasn't because we would die, right? So we see that through the Holy Spirit and through faith in Jesus Christ, God has really given us all the components that we need to, to be transformed. But the Christian, it's, it's funny that we, we talk about this because our outward display and our inner actions have to be different. There has to be a cultural mind shift. And what I mean by that is that your outward display and your inward feeling have to match one another. Because to conform means to have an outward display that's different than what you feel inside. But to be transformed means that it's 360 inside and outside. So we're looking at that, which really requires a cultural mind shift, right? It's thinking about the things of God and having a mind that is of Christ. And again, talking about how do we even renew our minds, so we're going to get to that. The next just thing is internal and external, which I just shared with you. It's, it's not really just an outward suggestion, and I, and I know that it's really easy to play church. It's really easy to even fake that you're okay when you're not okay. It's, it's, it's easy to walk in these doors sometimes and hallelujah and hug everybody and smile and then walk out of here and 
nothing happened. Amen. And that's what we, you know, we need to be to be weary of because while it's fine to have a list of things to do, it's easy for someone to say, do this and don't do this and don't do that. But it's different when your heart is matching the things that you're doing outwardly because you want to be doing them. It's weary. We have to be weary when we are doing things just because we feel like it's a checklist that we just got to, to sort of check the box of our Christianity and check the box of our own life, even if it's not a Christian walk. We've got to be careful that we're not just going with the flow and going through the motions, um, that it has to be an internal and an external transformation. Because if he's changed you, it won't just be your behavior. It's your mind as well. Here's a few problems with our mind. Because the thing is, our minds, as, as easy as it is to say, renew your mind, be transformed. It's just so lovely to say that. Um, how easy is it really to be transformed when we live in a society that is continually going in a different direction Amen. than God is going in? That is an enemy of God that constantly is, is telling you to, to do things. And then not only that, we are fallen. So if we look at the problems with our own mind, we are fallen. If you're not sure what that means, you guys remember Adam and Eve in the garden? At one point, we had a right relationship with God, meaning the, Adam and Eve could walk in the garden and talk to God face-to-face every single day. They had one thing they weren't supposed to do, which was eat from a very specific tree, and it wasn't an apple, just so you know, just, just to tell you that, a specific fruit, and they were told not to eat it, and they did. And what happened was their eyes were opened. However, that relationship was broken. And so because of that, we are not bent on seeing God the way he really is, but we have our own viewpoint of what God is. We would rather praise ourselves. You know how we talked about or earlier when you quoted James chapter 1, 23 and 24, looking in the mirror and forgetting what you see? We do that every day. We sort of forget the things that we see and kind of go on, but we'd rather be just staring in the mirror looking at ourselves. I, it's funny, I'll, I'm going to call my sister out. She's not here, so I can do that. Whenever we would go shopping or be anywhere, she would always glance at herself in the mirror and, as she was talking to me. So she'd be talking to me and looking at the mirror. And I'm over here. Um, but again, this, this thought that like we are, ourselves, our minds, we're usually uh, bent on looking at ourselves. So when you are going through something, it tends to be fixated on you, right? Like, woe is me, these are my trials, which is true. They are, they are happening to you, but sometimes we get wrapped up in our own things that we don't see anything else. And so that's one of the problems with our minds, that it, it blinds us. It shifts our focus to self only. So we're set moping. When we're upset, we are upset. I know when I'm angry, I just want to retreat and not talk to anybody. Don't get in my way either, right? So it's like we have these things where it's about us. We've got to get our minds right before we can even talk to someone else, which is fine. Um, it's very hostile to the absolute supremacy of God. We want to be number one as a fallen, as fallen man. We want to be number one. And there's a constant juggling of making sure that not Christ isn't just, you know, your number one, but that his, he is the everything. He's the priority. And so life is supposed to revolve around him, not being a number on a list. But we like to sort of put God on a list. So if we check him off as number one for the day, then we go on about our day, when really he has to be all of it. And then, so another part is um, our mind has deceitful desires. Paul says that the things that he wants to do, he doesn't do. The things that he doesn't want to do, he ends up doing. 
our minds, even though we are saved, we still, again, are not in a new body. So we are constantly, for those of you who are saved, constantly struggling with our flesh and whether or not we are doing the things of God. And so it's a constant battle. That's why it's, you know, you're required to take up your cross daily and follow him. That's why you're required to continually pray. That's why you're required to continually read your word. Not because once won't do. It's because we constantly need reminders because we forget. The children of Israel, if you guys remember, when they were, in the, they were in the desert wandering, what happened when they actually had manna and, and, and quail? At, at some point, they just started forgetting what God had already brought them through, and they started complaining. This isn't good enough. I want steak. I want pizza. And God had provided for them. And that's just how we are. We're kind of finicky like that. Our minds can make us slaves to our passions. We'll talk about the heart later because that has a lot to do with it as well. But if you think about it, if we don't have a proper way of thinking, we can ultimately become slaves of the things that are not good for us. That's where addiction can come in. That's where overworking can come in. That's where feeling like you need to have a boyfriend when God has called you to be single at the moment. That could be anything. That could be seeking the approval of others. Passions can be anything. So if you're like, this doesn't apply to me. It does. It applies to all of us. Me too. So I don't sit up here saying all this stuff because I'm trying to talk at you. Again, this relates to me directly as well. Uh, Another problem. Our minds willfully suppress the truth. And I'm going to read you a few scriptures that talk about those last three, three. But if you think about it, before you came to know Christ, there are the creation is pointing at who he is, yet we often suppress the truth. And that means to kind of push it down and make it to be something else. Oh, that's something else. That's not it. Okay. Here's a fun, interesting quote. It says, The problem with our minds is not merely that we're finite and don't have all the information. The problem is that our minds are fallen. They have a spirit, a bent, a mindset that is hostile to the absolute supremacy of God. Our minds are bent on not seeing God as infinitely more worthy of praise than we are or the things we make or achieve. Here's Romans 128, which is what I was just telling you about your mind. So it says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, hearthless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree, this is an interesting one, those that those who practice such things deserve to die. They do not do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Interesting that if you continue to live a certain way that is far from God, there is scripture that tells you that God will give you over to that. That continuing in that way, God will give you over. Here's another one. It says, therefore, be pre- therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded again, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you as a revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passion of your former ignorance. So there was a former way of thinking. There was a former lifestyle. And so when we talk about transforming, it is moving away from that. It is being not just an outward reflection, but an inward reflection. 
Here's another verse, and this is going back to what we were just talking about. Futility of their minds. If you look at Ephesians here, um, they were, at the time, they were talking about the Gentiles who were, you know, void of all real thoughts of God. Their minds and their hearts were evil, and they were not thinking about the things of God. And so when we talk about us, it says, not, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding. Again, as we look at our minds, they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardened hearts, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. There's that word again, given themselves. Up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. Here's the next part. It says, but this is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self. Again, talking about that old way of living, which belongs to your former manner. So again, that other life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There's that word again, mind, renewal, okay? And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So we're seeing again that to be transformed, you can't conform to this world. We have to be renewed by the mind. But how do we even do that? Do you guys know that our mental suppression of the truth of God is what hardens our hearts? Our hard hearts what is what makes us suppress truth. When we look at people like Pharaoh, if we look at um, what it was talking about specifically in Romans, if we look at ourselves, God has to be the one to change us. So again, as we look at renewing our mind, it's a heart issue. It is a heart issue, first and foremost, that we have hearts that desperately need to be broken for God to change. We have to be stripped down in order for him to do the work in us. So before you can even change your thought process, which, again, we can't do, as I'm going to show you in a minute, we have to deal with what's in our hearts first. Right. Sin. Lots of things happening, right? Looking at your mirror, what, what, right? Looking at the man and moving away and not knowing what you saw. So that word renew, to reestablish a relationship, making the connection here. Do you guys, as I just was telling you about Adam and Eve, and in my Sunday school class a few weeks ago, we were sort of debating about whether or not if Adam would have taken the fruit, what would have happened? And we look at the fact that regardless because of their sin, we, don't have a, we didn't have a right relationship. So for those of you who are Christians who have accepted Christ and are renewed back with him, prior to that, let's remember, we, no one was righteous. That's what Romans 3.10 says, that there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one that seeks God. So to talk about renewal means that you have to be brought into a right relationship with God. That means you have to reestablish a relationship. Now, can we reestablish our own relationship with God? No way. He is the only one who can do it. He has to draw us. He has to do the work. And so we see that their new relationship has to do with restoring it to making it new. So renewal, as we look at renewing our minds, it's restoring a relationship, thinking about making those things whole again. And as I noted about renewing your mind, the, the real point here is, is that the Holy Spirit is the only one that can do it. The Holy Spirit 
is the one that changes us, helps us change. We, if we think about our minds before, how many of you have a hard time reading your Bible? And it's okay to raise your hand. How many of you have a hard time reading your Bible? I think everyone probably has a hard time. I don't know anyone who's like, all the time, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know anyone. Even the, the, you know, most holy of preachers, I think everyone has a point when they're so tired that all they want to do is sleep. And that there's going to be a struggle. Again, as we talk about fall, being a fallen man and then how God restores us, but us still having um, this old sort of body that we're living in that is deteriorating, we know that it's not always easy to do these things. And so when we think about it, it's not just about a checklist. Like, oh, read my Bible today. On to the next. Oh, went to church. On to the next. Oh, I helped the homeless person. On to the next. No, it's the fact that the Holy Spirit actually has to do the work so that it becomes authentic to read your Bible. That he authenticates the fact that you end up wanting to read your Bible. And that it requires mental preparation in order to do it. Because it's hard. We've all said it. There are times when you don't want to read your Bible, but have you had to struggle through it? And how have you felt afterwards? That's one of the main tricks of the enemy. To get you to not read your word. Because we know that Holy Spirit mind renewal, these things can only happen if you're opening your Bible. And that you're meditating and studying scripture. Because those are the things that help us. Those are the things that heal us. Those are the things that help us to not gratify the flesh and continue to to live in our passions not as God would have us to do. Again, making sense? All right, good. like to make sure we're clear. What I wanted to note too is that a renewed mind, and this is just for us as we think about what it looks like, should be saturated with and controlled with the word of God. So we should be filled and continually reading. That's why, again, reading your Bible is not a one-time thing. Just the way we eat multiple times a day. I'm not saying that you need to read your Bible three times a day. You have to do what works for you. That's legalistic if I give you a rule there. So that's not the, the point. But the point is that have you noticed the weeks that you don't pray and you don't read your Bible, how your mind just starts thinking about all of these other things? How you just start thinking about things that you are like, where did that come from? as you start feeling like you're depressed or that you can't go on or that woe is me and all these things, we let our minds get so lasered in on these other things because we we haven't been spending time in our word. And we're all guilty of it. Knowing that scripture and in in God's word is where we find healing. It says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being um, very nature God didn't, Consider quality with God be grasped, that he humbled himself. So again, this thought of a mental state like Jesus, who didn't think of himself more highly than us. And sometimes we do that. We put ourselves on a pedestal. Here's another thing talking about specifically the Holy Spirit renewing us. If you looked back at that verse, and I won't go back to it, but when we looked at Romans, specifically it said, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Again, the Holy Spirit is the one that does the renewal. Here's, here's an interesting one. It says he saved us, not because of works done by righteousness or done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, and here's that word again, renewal of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that does the help. He exposes Christ-exalting truths, breaking our blind and corrupt minds. 
He's the one that does it. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, he's the one that points people to Jesus. He's pointing people to Jesus. He's the helper. He's called the comforter for a reason. Um, in the Greek, it's called the paraclete. He's called the paraclete, not he, not it, he. It's called the paraclete. He helps to liberate us from the deceit and power of our own minds and our own passions. Um, he helps to break that because without him breaking our hearts and conforming them to look more like Christ, we will continue to run off and do what we want to do. We constantly need that renewal. We constantly need to be exposed to truth. We constantly need to be lifted up in that way. We constantly need to be in prayer and, and keeping our minds focused on those things. Because, again, it's not, it's not always easy. It's really, I think it's easier to sit in a corner and mope than it is to open your Bible. And I'm saying that because I, I know. I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of coming home from being really stressed out because work can be tough and not wanting to do anything. And sitting on the couch being like, oh, I just deserve a break. But knowing that my mental renewal and the way I really would get a break is if I spent time with God. Amen. That our spiritual health depends on, depends on it. That renewing our mind and being transformed and living a gospel-centered life that reque- reflects Christ throughout requires that we renew our minds through Christ-exalting truth, which is only found in the Word. Again, the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us to hear the gospel. If you think about before you were saved, and for those of you that aren't and will be, we think about how God prompts us and how he draws us in and how when you were, before you came to know Christ, what that looked like and how he just, prompted you to hear the gospel, and how under, once you heard the gospel, that's what saves people, right? So it's not you telling your testimony necessarily, right? Unless we weave in the scripture, but it's, it is the gospel that saves. And then, reading our Bible, right? Extending, studying the, the word, and really meditating on the fact that Christ was perfect, not us. I think about this all the time. Um, you guys know what self-esteem is? Our culture tells us to have a very healthy self-esteem. It tells you to, you know, pat yourself on the back when you do well. If somebody doesn't like you, you like yourself. You are good. You are cool. You are it. Um, that's kind of what our culture tells us, and that's good. We, I do think everyone should have a, a measure in which you are confident. However, however, as Christians, there's something else that we need to have in exchange for self-esteem, which is Christ's esteem. Because he's the one that did the work. He's the one that we put full and total confidence in. I'm a mess. At the end of the day, I'm not going to be perfect. As much as he has saved and changed me, I'm still growing. And that's, the, that's our spiritual journey, that we're continuing to grow. That's what sanctification is. It's continuing in your faith. And it's continuing to grow in your faith. So we're not perfect. But Christ's esteem means that you know and you are confident in the fact that the work is finished and he already did it. That he's the one that we look to. So when we are depressed and when we are down and when we're feeling like things are just going to fall apart, we reflect on him. When we're upset that, you know, being a Christian is hard and that you, you know, can sometimes be an outcast, um, looking at the fact that Christ was an outcast. We always seem to think that he was the most popular guy 
Now, while he did hang out with sinners and people did like him, that wasn't just it. He wasn't popular. That wasn't the popular thing, because if it was, they wouldn't have killed him and then covered it up, right? So we have to look at the fact that our, our life and, and renewal in Christ is, um, is going to require the work of the Holy Spirit. In order to lift God, Christ up, we have to have the Holy Spirit transform us, and that's how it happens. It happens through him working in us, but it requires that we do a little measure too, right? So there's two things. It's a double working, right? It's the Holy Spirit doing the work to help us do these things, but then it's praying for truth, embracing humility, that it's not just about us, that our minds have to be constantly renewed, that it's a constant renewal, that to live a gospel-centered life requires continuous pursuing of Christ's exalting truth, which is interesting, right? Because you think you get, once you get saved, it's done. You're like, all right, cool. But that's not it, because he continues to work in us. If you think about when you first became, came to him, how different your life is now. I look at my own life. Growing up in church has very little to do with my salvation, because it's a personal thing. And so when I came to know Christ for myself, I am in a much different place than I, than I was at that point. But that required transformation. Not that I did it, but that God continued to work in me and continued to, to sort of point my focus in another area. So where before it's all about you, it's no longer about you. It's about him. Oh. <laughs> well, yes, it is a happy day. Um. <laughs> That is cute. There's an interesting thing that I wanted to say as, as just sort of a, a, a back note, is that while the Spirit leads us in this way, right, there is also an enemy of God, which I have told you, which it's interesting because 2 Corinthians chapter 4 talks about it. I'm just going to read you this verse, and some of you may know it, and it says this, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So we have an enemy of God who's doing that. Interestingly enough, we also wrestle not with, what is that? Flesh and blood. But what? But principalities. So yeah, you guys know that verse too. Um, This is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual journey. Again, when we look at our minds, the enemy's trick is to get you isolated and off in a corner. It's to get you not spending time in your word. Why? Because that's where you find your healing and this is where you find your truth. And it seems so easy, but it's not. You know what I mean? Like reading your Bible. Just If someone told you, read your Bible every day. I mean, a theory that just seems pretty simple, right? Like, okay, if that's it, let me just read my Bible. But it's not. And why is that? Because it requires mental preparation, a real focus. We talked last time about training for a spiritual journey, right? We talked about finishing the race, requiring preparation and focus. The same thing with our minds have to be transformed in order to do the things of God. So to live a transformed life, your mind has to be removed. A new mind. I wanted to leave you with, we'll be done in about five minutes. I wanted to leave you with some scripture because I um, feel like it's really easy to say a bunch of things and give you a bunch of steps, but I know that it requires God to do the work in you. And it's going to require that we continue to live out scripture. So if it's helpful to you, I encourage you to write down these addresses 
And as you know how we do memorization, my, my prayer is that you actually start to memorize scripture because that's going to help us. And so I'm going to read a few for you that I think help us in continuing to remember the mind renewal. But it says this in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So again, thinking, keeping your mind on these things of excellence. And who is the one who's excellent and all-knowing and all-powerful and Christ-exalting? How are we doing that? Is by having Christ's esteem and by thinking of the things of God. So again, I know that's not always easy, but as we continue to sort of train our minds, it, it requires two things, right? God working in us, but us also taking the time to read the scripture. Second one is this. This is the verse I've been reading, just in my, saying in my mind every morning um, for the last month. And it's this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Amen. Your help comes from God. That's the only place it's going to come. It's not going to be in anything else. Not in a car. Not in any relationships. It's going to come in him. And that is hard. Especially when we are going through stuff. Because it's, it's not easy to see that there's, a, there's an ending to that. And there may not be. That could be what God uses to keep you focused on him. Because sometimes we can't handle all the things that we want. Everybody wants to be rich. Or maybe not. But a lot of people want more money. But there's a reason why God has given you exactly what he's given you. Right now. Because that's what you can handle. I, I, I look at what he's sort of brought me through in the last several years. And I know it's because of him. And I look at, ooh, getting a little teary-eyed. I look at people like my Uncle Gordon who takes care of my aunt. And uh, seeing how hard that is to, um, excuse me, to have your life partner not be well. And uh, knowing that that is what God has given to him as his thorn in his side to keep his focus on Christ. And I think about our own lives and whatever it is in your life right now. And again, I don't know. I'm sorry I'm tearing up. But, um, you know, whatever it is in your life, it's okay. Because God is using that to make you look more like him. Thank you. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 10.5. We already read the other one. But it says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's another good one, just for your repertoire, if you're writing them down. It's a good one to continue to, to sort of noodle on. And then this one, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. It says, If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right end of God. Set your minds on things above, not things are, that are on earth. I know we tend to get kind of bogged down by earthly stuff, and we need things. It's true. We do need cars to get around. We need to live. We need clothes. But if we focus on trying to get those things as opposed to focusing on the things above, then we kind of have a backwards situation happening. I know things like tithing, for example. Trusting God that you give him his portion, he's going to do it. He's going to help you. You know, making sure we are sort of thinking about those things. And that's it. I hope that was somewhat helpful. And...
you know, my prayer for us again is that we continue to just pursue the things of God and that even though it's, it's hard and difficult, that our minds are constantly going other places, that we will let the Holy Spirit do the work. And that my prayer is for those of you that aren't saved. I just pray that he draws you, that the Spirit draws you. Um, I'm going to pray for us quickly, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for sending your Son to die for us. We thank you for new life in you and that you are the one that does the work and changes us. And so my prayer is that when we leave today, that we would be changed, that we would not leave here the same, that your word would just begin to take root and that we begin to live out the things of God, that we begin to seek the help if we need it, that we begin to continue to pray and be in our word because we know that that's where our healing and our help comes from. We help you to, to help us have the mind of Christ and to be what you have called us to be. I'm praying this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.